Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of daily fantasy sports and gambling. So you can stop Googling how to join a squid game to cover all those parlays you thought were such a sure thing. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. We have hockey on tap. I know some of you are wondering... Really? We're going to talk about hockey? Absolutely, because the best time of the year has arrived in sports. I know people are wondering, like, really? Yes. You know why? Because the Stanley Cup playoffs are my favorite playoffs, even though it is uh, outside of maybe the World Cup. Uh, but, you know, that that's only once every four years. Hopefully it stays once every four years. But the Stanley Cup playoffs typically are the hardest fought playoff series, the most highly uh, high-level execution playoff format of any of the major sports because everyone grinds and actually earns it over um, multiple seven-game series. However, this is the first true NHL playoffs in over four years. It was a full 82-game season for the NHL. No neutral sites uh, coming up. You got full capacity uh, uh, for fans. You know, it's basically we're we're back. We're we're actually back uh, for the first time in uh, since 2018. We are actually back uh, in a true standard NHL format uh, for the playoffs. And you know. I got to go through a couple of things about the regular season because folks are looking at these teams and saying who's going to win based off of how the regular season played out. I I hate to bring it to you folks, but the scoring in the NHL regular season was absurd Uh, because of a number of factors, namely which you had uh, top goal scorers uh, putting up numbers we haven't seen in years and teams basically committing to we're going to have offensive defensemen uh, be a priority for us. We're not going to go too crazy. I'll get to that in a moment. But scoring was at its highest period in 26 years. Uh, That means, yes, we are literally talking about mid-90s scoring uh, back in AHL. The the average goal per NHL game this year was 6.3. We haven't had that. Uh, since uh, the heyday of uh, Hockey Town with uh, the Red Wings in the mid-90s. You had at least eight players break 100 points, and you had uh, 50 players score 30 or more goals. I mean, the Rangers had a ton of goal scores, and yet still, the Rangers aren't even close to the top of the scoring ranks uh, across the league. That shows you just how... uh, like scoring centric uh the league was this year and i still have to be honest uh this is uh this is still going to be a case where i think the format is going to be uh very different for the playoffs i'm i'm just going to be honest with you guys uh, i think teams are going to tighten up way more and it's going to it, it's going to have some severe impact for a couple of these clubs 
that are used to scoring in bunches. So uh, we're we're gonna see. We're we're gonna see, but we're gonna dive into uh, these games here because uh, I think we got some interesting first round matchups that I don't think folks are necessarily paying that close attention to that they really should in terms of the odds and really my expectation of how uh, some of the series will play out. But across the board, the scoring has been up in the league. I just don't think that you can uh, take this, uh, that it's going to carry over straight into the playoffs. So we've seen this constantly, the ice shrinks. It's going to be harder to get uh, those clean looks on net, and you're going to need goaltending if you want to go further in uh, the playoffs. But the Florida Panthers are your President Cup uh, trophy winners. They had the best record in the regular season. They're loaded with talent. We saw it last year as they pushed uh, Tampa. Uh, You know, I thought last year they were a year early, and this worked out to be the breakout year. They, they they came along even stronger than I thought. John and Huberto uh, had, uh, I believe it was uh, close to 100-plus uh, points, uh, you know, in terms of... But, it, you know, it, this is where you have the caveat. Because the Eastern Conference was so bad this year, every single team that made the playoffs had over 100 points. It wasn't even close. The Islanders were the next closest non-playoff team with 85. Uh, or like 80, maybe they finished with 88. But like th- that being said, like everyone in the East was bad. Like there were a lot of bad teams in the East. I mean, the Columbus uh, Philly trade went absolutely nowhere, as I said it would. Uh, just terrible teams. Uh, the-, the Devils still have no idea what they're doing. The East was bad. Really bad. Um, but yeah, every team was over a hundred points. So, uh, you know, the uh, Panthers uh, had 122 points on the regular season, but they're not playing any slouches in the Washington Capitals. You know, Caps are the Caps. Uh, they still got a Vetchkin who had yet another ridiculous season where, you know, you're wondering how the hell Ovi keeps up uh, put uh, putting up all these goals uh, when he's supposed to be declining uh, with his uh, slap shot in, with age. It's not happening yet. He's still scoring uh, on a tear. And with the open ice this year, uh, it just made it even easier for him uh, to rack up uh, uh, over 800. Uh, he ended up uh, surpassing the 800 career goal tally mark. Uh, you passed up a number of. Uh, individuals uh en route to yet another monster year now the question here is how healthy is Ovi because he did injure his shoulder late in the year uh so even with the 50 goals scored uh there's uh still so question mark as to how healthy he's gonna be uh the issue for the caps though is their goaltending because uh Vikanen uh, I'm gonna butcher some of these names but uh just in terms of uh uh uh, yeah, I'm saying uh, Vakina, I'm saying Vanasek. Uh, but uh, Vanasek and Samsonov, they were both equally bad in net. And you're going up against one of the highest scoring teams in the league. Uh, I just look at this as a case where I see the Caps going down pretty quickly. Uh, I don't see them. Actually, I think the uh, Panthers were uh, 
the highest scoring team in the league. I, I I'll have to double check their numbers against uh, Colorado, but I'm fe- pretty confident that uh, 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 between the, the some of these other squads that uh, Florida did lead the league in scoring uh, this year. But uh, you know, it's just to me, this one's one of the more obvious mismatches just because of how bad Washington's goaltending. Maybe they get hot. But I don't necessarily see it happening with uh, the way uh, it, the Caps played throughout most of the year. Their goaltending just never got to a good place overall in, uh, to feel confident in a playoff series. And, of course, they drew the worst matchup by not winning down the stretch because it's just, realistically, the, uh, the Panthers are the worst matchup uh, Washington could have gotten. Uh, Washington is the perfect matchup for the Panthers, in my opinion, because, yes, while there's Ovi, uh, the offensive threats on the Panthers should be able to generate more than enough pressure to kind of get by this series. I look at the Panthers in five, uh, you know, in terms of the series uh, line odds, uh, they had the Panthers at minus one and a half uh, was minus 150 for the Panthers, minus two and a half. Uh, which basically tells you uh, uh, Panthers need to win in five or less. Uh, that was plus 150. Either way, I am good with taking uh, the Panthers minus one and a half. Uh, or if you want to go be a little bit bolder and where I was leaning, uh, uh, Panthers in five or less, uh, you can go with the minus two and a half and you get plus 150. Uh, that's how I would look to bet this series. I just look at this as a case where I think uh, Washington is outgunned and there's really not much they can do about it. It is what it is, especially if Ovi isn't 100%. If he's not 100%, uh, they were already behind the eight ball here. I just think it sinks them even further. Over in the Western Conference, we have the Colorado Avalanche as the overall number one seed playing the Nashville Predators, Predators back in the postseason, although in a much weakened position just because of the fact that I, I kind of view this matchup as, again, somebody had to make it in the wild card spot. Uh, the, uh, basically, you had uh, the Canucks, uh, Vancouver Canucks, and the, the Vegas Golden Knights were just... I mean, way too inconsistent throughout the year uh, and try to mount and rally late, but just not enough. And, you know, slow and steady Canucks, just, I mean, slow and steady Predators just kind of got in, even though I don't think anyone would confuse them with being a top flight team. I, I look at this series and say, this really comes down to, can Colorado not look past Nashville? Because, as good as Roman Yossi is, it's literally Roman Yossi, uh, uh, the all-star defender for uh, Nashville, trying to play 28 to 30 minutes a night to keep the series close. I don't see Nashville winning more than a game in this series. Uh, I'm just, I think this is the most clear-cut mismatch, and UC Soros, the starting goaltender for the Predators also rolled his ankle and had a pretty nasty-looking ankle injury in the last two weeks of the year. His status is still uh, in question for uh, the, uh, a couple of games this series. I'm not exactly sure, you know, again, uh, on the Nashville side, where 
like where are we actually getting to a good spot because i'm not i'm not entirely convinced that nashville uh you know isn't uh in the uh camp of uh you know trying to tread water and just keep this series from and again i i'm i'm not trying to uh discount because Nashville somehow won 45 games this year. So it's not as though they're a complete pushover. The question, the, the issue becomes uh, on a Nashville side, I do, they weren't exactly that stellar defensively. Uh, they actually did score more goals than the Rangers. So uh, again, when I complain about the Rangers not being too top heavy and not having enough goal scoring throughout the lineup, I actually mean it. Um, uh, even Nashville scored more goals than the Rangers. Uh, the issue for Nashville though, is they do give up, uh, quite a few goals and without Soros in net, uh, their goaltending was still pretty spotty overall, uh, from a backup standpoint. So it, it kind of came down to, uh, what else uh, are they going to be able to do? Because I don't necessarily see, uh, I don't necessarily see uh, a good uh, a good outcome here. I, I Riddich was pretty mediocre overall uh, when he did start in net for uh, Nashville. I, I I mean, I mean that's that's it. I like uh, I don't think they have anybody else in net that they can throw in there. Uh, it's just a case where Riddich. Couldn't get it done in Calgary, you know, uh, for a cu- for a couple of years he he played there. Wasn't very good in the postseason either. I just, I just have uh, have my doubts. Uh, it, you know, there's a reason why uh, Calgary gave up on him because they they couldn't uh, they just even with the carousel uh, Calgary had before they pulled off the Markstrom heist. Uh you know, it's just uh it, it's it's pretty clear cut. I, I just think that this series probably should end in a sweep, but I'm gonna give uh, Nashville a game because they've won they won more games than anyone could have given them credit for. I, I still can't get over how Nashville won uh forty five games this year. Because they're if you look at this roster, it's a lot of guys who are probably nearing the tail end of their career or already at the tail end of their career. Uh, you know, Ryan Johansson never really reached the heights that people expected him to uh, for his career. You know, he's uh, he's already 10 uh, years into his career. He, he's just, you know, People always thought he was going to be a 70 to 80 point centerman. He, he's just a 60 point guy. Like that, that's the weird part about Ryan Johansson. Like everyone thought he was going to take off and it just never happened. I think, you know, I just think this is one of those where it's like, you kind of accept it for what it is. Uh, this is the Santa system thing. This is just player just wasn't as good as we thought he was. I, you know, Granlin, uh, again, Another case where centermen, you know, yeah, you had a number of years uh, throughout the ranks. And that's why I always say, well, like with hockey, 
development happens slower, but at a certain point, you realize that guys really are just what they are. Like Grandland, again, another case. Satterman, you always thought there was another gear he had when he was in Minnesota for so many years. Uh, you know, ten again, another ten years in the league. He is what he is. He's like a sixty-point centerman. Like you know, it's fine. It that gets you into the playoffs. It's just I don't see really a threat. Like this is this team just does just an uh, like the team just screams just good enough uh, to get uh, to get there. And it's like I would take these guys as my number three centerman. The problem is you kind of need. Uh, uh, you need more than that. And again, Matthew Shane, uh, you know, a number of years in Colorado, ha- technically this would be considered his breakout year, uh, where he had 43 goals and uh, 43 assists. Like he's the reason why they actually got into the postseason, in my opinion. And, you know, 86 points, uh, on the year, but this is like the primary threat, uh, for, uh, Nashville is Matthew Shane. And again, you would think it's Forsberg, but Forsberg, you know, yeah, he had 42 goals, but it's like everyone was scoring a budget. Like this is why I say it's like, this is one of those weird years where even for top guys, if you didn't hit 50, it's almost uh, like, and you're supposed to be the top goal scorer. It's almost one of those where it's like, you, you kind of like, scratch your head because you're like well i mean he only hit 40 it's like 40 is a great year and yet still it's kind of crazy that we're in this spot scoring wise that you know so many teams uh put up big numbers that you almost have to like kind of acknowledge the fact that you know you you may not get uh you may not get uh that much of a lift and I, I, i'm again I, i'm gonna circle back with the rangers like it's it's one of the most bizarre years where uh panarin is the primary threat on the rangers yet he did not score that ton of goals he just set everyone else up for success uh and we'll see if he gets a little bit more aggressive uh come postseason but yeah it's a uh, it's a weird it's a weird mix where this uh Nashville team. I think uh, Colorado closes them out in five. I think McKinnon, Ratanen, Landeskog. I I just think, I just think they just throw waves at uh, Nashville and break them because they don't have the goaltending. If you keep putting shots on net, they're going to crack at Nashville a couple of times. Uh, and I just don't see Nashville really scoring. So in terms of the series props, I'm definitely hammering uh, the Colorado minus one and a half. Obviously, you're going to be paying some of the vig with that one but it's not uh it's not uh as though it's uh it's too egregious it's minus 260 for the minus one and a half spread uh and then the minus 110 for the two and a half games so in five or less you know that's what vegas is expecting too but you know i i just don't think it's wrong i i just think it's it's a fair assessment uh so next up, we're going to go to the series that people keep talking about. And I think, I just think Vegas has this wrong. I think the experts have this wrong. Somehow, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have 
flamed out spectacularly in the first round every year for the last six years. We're going to take the Maple Leafs as favorites against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Toronto is minus 120 for the series to beat Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is healthy. Tampa Bay's coasted throughout this entire year. So for everyone saying that, you know, Tampa looks a step off, they were coasting. They're trying to go for a three-peat. They are coasting. I, I like I hope people understand like when you when you're going for the three P in any major sport, that third year, the regular season means nothing. Uh, you know, I, I hope people understand this. Uh Tampa Bay did just enough. Uh they knew well in advance that, you know, the East was pretty much a lock to make the playoffs. And they didn't push. They didn't push for seeding because they know how to beat all these teams. So, yes, while they are locked into a matchup against Tampa, they were going to be locked into a matchup against, I mean, they were going to be locked into a matchup against Florida regardless. This is why the NHL has the worst format in professional sports. Because from months ago, even if you had the overall number one seed, you were stuck in a matchup with more than likely either Toronto or Florida. They're really what you weren't getting past your own division because you're stuck playing your own division. That's why this bracket format sucks. It sucks because you always put in your division rival for the next round, no matter whom you play in the first round. So you're always playing them around too early. There's no reason why. Florida should be playing either Toronto or Tampa in the next round. Seeding wise, if they actually did this properly, Florida would probably be playing the winner of the Rangers uh, uh, Pittsburgh series. Like that's the way it should actually work. But no, we have this format. So yes, I'm looking past Toronto, but I'm just being perfectly honest here. This is one of the worst prices I've seen. I have been hammering Tampa even money uh, throughout. I think Tampa wins this series either in five or six games. I just think they turn they turn it up on Toronto. And I don't think Toronto really has a good answer for what Tampa's going to throw at them. I really don't. Because I think uh, as well as Austin Matthews has played this year, and yes, they have John Tavares, they have Nylander, they have Marner. Uh, don't get me wrong, Toronto has offensive talent. What they don't have is Andre Vasilevsky, the best goaltender in the NHL. As good as Igor Shesterkin is for the Rangers, Vasilevsky is still the number one goaltender in the league. How is the team with the best goaltender in the league the underdog in a series? I, even with the offensive weapons on Toronto, Tampa has just as many offensive counters. You still have Point. You still have Stamkos. You still have Kucherov. I mean, you know, we can talk about Victor Hedman. We can talk about the uh, the defensemen on the Lightning who also create offense. But the reality of the situation is Tampa has Vasilevsky. And while... Jack Campbell's been good. He ain't Vasilevsky level yet. Let's be honest with ourselves here. 
So to me, the Toronto pricing, expecting it, uh, expecting Toronto to be the favorite against Tampa, I just think it's the worst pricing of the playoffs. I, I think it's foolish not to be betting on Tampa Bay to win. I know people want, uh, I mean, I know Canada, uh, like the Canadian fans uh, and the Maple Leafs fans are saying this is their year. I just, I just think it's kind of delusional. I'll be perfectly honest. I'm I'm listening to the commentary. I know everyone thinks how close the series is going to be. I don't think it's going to be that close. Maybe maybe maybe, uh, maybe Toronto surprises me here, but I think they get punched in the mouth early. I think they get punched in the mouth pretty hard by Tampa. I think you know this first game is going to be important. If Toronto can avoid getting smacked hard with like a large goal uh, deficit loss. Maybe Toronto holds their own, but I just think Tampa comes out to blitz them. I I think if they blitz Toronto early in this series, Toronto probably rolls over. I I just look at it as like, and it'll be a here we go again situation. I think Tampa comes out hard against Toronto. I think they put up a bunch of goals and I think, you know, I don't think Toronto necessarily responds well to it because to me, the biggest issue with Toronto that I see is the nerves. I think it's a lot of it's mental. I don't think they play their best in the postseason, but this is the worst matchup they could have gotten in the first round because I, I think Toronto, if they, you know, again, this is why I hate this for, uh, this format because I think if Toronto matched up against the Rangers, I think I still would like the Rangers over Toronto because of Shesterkin, but I think that's a far more fair series for Toronto. I think if you match Toronto against Carolina, I think they have a decent shot, even though they, 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 uh, points wise, they couldn't match up against Carolina. Uh, but it's like, if you gave Toronto the Rangers, or if you gave Toronto the Penguins, I think those are two fairer matchups for Toronto than playing Tampa Bay. I definitely wouldn't want the Rangers playing Tampa Bay. So it's better it's better as a Rangers fan for me personally seeing Toronto play uh, Tampa. But I just think this is one where people have gotten this completely wrong. I think this should be Tampa favored. I think Toronto's the one with all the pressure on it. Uh, you know, yes, uh, Tampa's going for the three-peat, but, you know, it, it's a case where I think that Tampa is now they're ready to start hitting the postseason hard. I, I think they were coasting through the regular season throughout, and they were more than comfortable letting Florida grab all the, uh, the uh, grab all the points in punditry of how good the Panthers are. I think Tampa is just ready to get the, their actual season started. And yeah, I, I'll take my L's if uh, if it comes down to it with Austin Matthews like having a massive series. I mean. Matthews, you know, was uh, terrific this year, but I got to see in the postseason. These guys have not shown up, and I know what I'm getting getting in Tampa. So, to me, the onus is actually on Toronto to show up for this series because this is actually the hardest opponent they've ever faced in the postseason before, and people are actually picking them to win. I just think it's it's mind-blowing. Just truth be told, I think it's uh I just think it's mind blowing that t- Toronto is uh facing their toughest opponent in years. You know, it's crazy. 
I like I, I just I don't know what else to say. It's like I just think it's wild that all these years Toronto's been losing to the likes of Boston and we're gonna take them against Tampa Bay. I Okay. Um next up, uh we're uh, in the West. We've got uh the overall number two seed uh in um Calgary playing Dallas. And this is one of those weird ones because I talked about the Markstrom heist. Uh, all these years, Calgary scoring tons of goals and getting bounced uh, either in the first round or just not making the playoffs at all. Uh, they finally got a team around Johnny Gaudreau where you have goaltending in Markstrom. They got they got him from the Canucks, whom the Canucks just being one of the worst run the NHL franchises around. Uh, they got Markstrom like in a way they should never have been able to get a, a top, uh, a top eight goaltender. Uh, and you know, Calgary got him, and Markstrom has played like a top four goaltender. Like Markstrom's just been that good this year that, you know, he should be up, uh, for consideration for the Vesna. I, I just think that, that, uh, you know, he's just been that uh, good in net this year. And, you know, this is kind of one of those awkward series because Dallas doesn't score goals. I think Dallas is uh, the lowest scoring goal team of the playoffs. And comparatively through, uh, to the rest of the league, I think Dallas is actually bottom five in goal scored per game. They only, uh, They score less than three goals per game. And I already told you, average NHL game this year averaged six point three goals. So that that should tell you how low scoring Dallas is, and Dallas goal scoring wise is more comparable to the bottom half of the Eastern Conference teams that didn't make the playoffs. But what Dallas does do, they play their defensive shell, they try to make life as difficult for you as possible, and try to win their games. Two to one, three, three, two, and just grind out games in that fashion. Like they're they're just not gonna try to score with you. And this word comes to, to this clash of styles because realistically, I kind of look at this as a case where Calgary should win this series. They're heavy favorites to win the series, but I could see also Calgary getting into their bad habits of taking bad penalties, getting into the penalty box and Dallas figuring out a way of staying in the series because as low scoring as Dallas is uh, overall, their power play is actually pretty decent. They'll convert. uh, They convert over 20% of the time on the power play. That's how they kind of generate their offense Uh, in terms of teams that are power play dependent. They're uh, uh, closer to the Rangers than most of these playoff teams are. They really need the power play in order to generate their offense uh, in bulk of the scoring. So I'm I'm curious to see how uh, Calgary matches up here. I think Calgary takes this one in six, but I do think uh, Dallas is due to make life as difficult as possible for uh, Calgary, just from the standpoint of, I don't necessarily think that uh, you'll have uh, that uh, that great of a 
uh, matchup uh, in terms of uh, scoring wise. Uh, you know, I, I think it, you know it's going to come down to just the line of that's going to have to generate the offense for Dallas. Uh, if Pavelski, uh, uh, Rupe Hints, and Jason Robertson can get on track and put up points on Markstrom. That's the only win condition that I see out of Dallas. They actually need uh they need to just score with that one line and most likely it'll be off the power play. I don't see much else coming in terms of uh uh this team. Uh, Jake Ottinger uh you know, it's going to be his first playoffs. He's going to have to try to steal the game off of Markstrom again. It's going to be a tall order for Dallas. I I feel confident in uh, Colorado. I mean, uh, Calgary advancing here. Uh, it's just a matter of how many games can Dallas extend the series by? Because you know, if, if we're looking matchup wise, uh, uh, this is almost the steepest mismatch uh, on on paper here. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna look at uh, Carolina and Boston. This is uh, one of the most interesting series, in my opinion, here, because Carolina, one of the uh, uh, cup favorites entering the year, cup favorites throughout the year, and they're playing a team that does everything they like to do and has a little bit more veteran savvy in the Boston Bruins. Uh, You know, you have the perfection line. Of Marchand, Pastranek, and Bergeron. Bergeron still plays at a high level defensively at center. There, uh, you've got two teams with very active defensemen. They're going to jump in the zone. They're going to like, clog things up. This, this is just like a very balanced series. I think that, like, to me, this is the series that's most likely to go to seven games. Uh, you know. Carolina had a great year, but Freddie Anderson, the uh, uh, the starting goaltender for Carolina, got hurt, and it's question of uh, whether or not uh, Carolina can survive long uh, long enough. Because I think if Boston gets up in this series, uh, you know, it's a lot of uh, here we go again because Boston has knocked out uh, knocked out Carolina of the playoffs two of the last three years, you know, these teams know each other very well. I just, I'm looking at this. Like I know Carolina has more talent. Uh, Sebastian Ajo and Tebu Teravainen, they're coming into their own. And now skill wise, before you used to make the argument that between Pastranek and Marshawn, uh, they're the better squad. Now, with Teravainen and Ajo getting better and as uh, Pasta and Marchand get older, I don't think it's that clear-cut anymore. I think this is really going to come down to goaltending. And we we got a question mark at Jeremy Swayman. Uh, you know, first postseason, really. Uh, no Tuka Rask anymore. Boston has their own questions, too. I just look to see how... Of these teams adjust because I, I think this is a seven game series. I really believe that this is the first seven game series like that we feel pretty confident in. It's going seven. I don't see either one of these teams being able to close out the other in six. I think this one goes seven. I'm still not entirely convinced 
that uh, it's a Carolina series to lose. I think it's pretty even. I'm actually going to take Boston for prediction standpoint because uh, as an underdog, you're going to get better odds there. But to me, if you're undecided on the series, I would actually, uh, you know, whichever side you want to go with, I actually like the prop bet of uh, either Boston in seven or Carolina in seven. You're go- you're going to get uh, obviously plus money on that. Uh, but uh, the uh, the issue is is that w- what you can also do is that uh, you can. Uh, when you have like the, the the score of it, because uh, Carolina uh, in seven is plus four fifty, Boston in seven is plus five fifty. That should tell you something in terms of how close they think this series is. Because even with uh, like so, some of these scores, the difference between uh, closing out in six and closing out in seven is minuscule. Boston in six is plus four twenty five. Carolina in six is plus five fifty. That like Vegas is just telling you that they expect this series to go uh, six or seven. Like that's that's where it's like you're not getting that much different in terms of the odds just because they're too evenly matched. It's going to be one of my my more entertaining series to watch just because I think this is a very closely matched lineup. And you know, even without Dougie Hamilton on the defensive side for Carolina. Tony D'Angelo has uh, slid in there and done an admirable job. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, you're looking at uh, Charlie McAvoy on the Bruin side uh, for the defense. And, uh, you know, they've made some acquisitions uh, with Hampus Lindholm. I I, I just kind of look at it as like it's, it's enough where... I think Boston has just enough in the tank. It's going to be really tight. And th- that's the truth of the matter. I think that series is the tightest one to call. So w- we'll see. But I'm going to be most uh, interested in that series to see uh, who ends up uh, coming out with the W. Uh, moving on uh, back to the West, we've got the Edmonton Oilers playing uh, uh, the, the, uh, the LA Kings. Listen, this comes down to Connor McDavid and <laughs> and Leon Draisaitl. Like the, 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 that's the series. If if McDavid and Draisaitl score, Edmonton's winning this series. If they don't score, LA's probably winning this series. LA doesn't score either. Uh, they they they're right at, uh, or I should say right down there with Dallas in terms of least amount of goals scored. But they clamp down on you defensively, and they force you to beat them. So, r- realistically, the more uh, the more they, they uh, are uh, going to be under the knife, uh, Philip Denault and uh, Andre Kopitar have been two of the better defensive centermen in the league this year. And again... Uh, Andre Kopitar was once known, like we talk about him being like this offensive threat. And Kopitar's real uh, point this year was basically locking down team team's best line of defense. Like he's been playing a more defensive game. So uh, Kopitar 
is uh you know 60 point center but like his defense was on point but uh, you know if you watch if you were watching the kings uh, games and i know it was li- late on the west coast for some of you but he's changed up his game over the last uh five six years to be more defensive minded uh yeah and he could still score it's not like he's like lost his scoring touch it's just that he's not made it that big of a priority anymore where you were so used to him over uh, eight years ago uh, just just running, just trucking dudes uh, throughout the postseason play. And just like teams just being outright afraid of playing Kopitar. Uh, he's not playing that style, bruising style anymore, but he is still playing smart, uh, locking down teams defensively. And Philip Deneau, uh, one of the reasons why the, uh, Montreal made their run in the postseason last year, has been stellar again. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm I'm annoyed because I always said if the Rangers had signed Deneau instead of Goudreau, uh, the Rangers would be cup favorites this year. But, you know, Deneau did exactly what the Kings needed him to do. They needed that second centerman to have two lockdown lines and make life easier for that entire squad just to play around goaltending. And Jonathan quick was healthy enough this year to play well enough uh, to get them back in the postseason. Like that's really what this came down to in terms of matchups. Now I got to look at this uh, from the standpoint of, you know, McDavid had 123 points. Drysaddle had 110, you know, Dreisaitl is like the first dude since Yager in, I want to, uh, I saw the set and I, now I'm forgetting it. Like uh, Yager did this uh, year, like this, we're going back at 95, 96, but 55 goals and 55 assists. Like you just don't get that with, uh, with Centerman and Dreisaitl just had an incredible year. Now, Again, Dreisaitl and McDavid have had their the primes of their careers completely wasted by Oilers management, just not assembling uh, halfway decent uh, halfway decent uh, uh, squads to build around uh, the team. But it's it's just it's just a reality situation. If you, we're being honest with ourselves here. The Oilers do not have nearly enough depth to make it uh, to make deep runs in the postseason. In my opinion, I think uh, the Oilers lose to Calgary in the next round, and even so, I think this is another deep playoff series. People are expecting the Oilers to close this out in six games at the latest, even five. I've seen some predictions. Uh, if you're watching the the Canadian broadcast on Sportsnet, uh, I've seen some uh, Oilers uh, Oilers and five predictions, but I just think this is an awkward matchup for Edmonton in the fact that LA is just going to s- slow the game down and force McDavid and Drysaddle to score uh, in tight quarters and. The thing is, Edmonton loves open ice. They're not going to get that in this series. I think this is a weird series for Edmonton. They could lose this series, and I wouldn't be shocked. I know other people will be shocked. I I am not one of those people. 
I, I think LA can make this one of those dirty, ugly series that they don't like playing and they could drop the series. So, uh, I, I think Edmonton in seven, but man, I don't feel confident in that pick at all. I think the Kings can win this series and everyone's looking past them. Uh, I just think it's a mistake. And then, uh, one matchup I did not talk about Minnesota playing St. Louis. Minnesota favored? Don't necessarily know why. I would always give the backing to the Blues. The Blues have so much scoring depth. And yes, I know Kirill Kaprasov is a beast for Minnesota. But someone needs to explain to me how a team that scored more goals in the regular season than Minnesota has the better goaltender in Bennington. Yes, I know we all like Marc-Andre Fleury. But even in 2022, I'm taking Bennington over Marc-Andre Fleury. It's uh, as much as I like Fleury. uh, In 2022, I'm I'm still taking Bennington. Minnesota gave up more goals, scored fewer goals, has the worst. uh, uh, They have a worse power play compared to the Blues. The Blues have a better penalty kill. Like, the Blues are demonstrably a better team. The Wild only finished two points ahead of them in the regular season because uh, the Blues had some really cold stretches uh, in the second half of the year but have been back on track. I don't see how people are picking Minnesota to win this series. I think Minnesota should be the underdog. I just, you know, I think the Blues could actually make it back to the cup. The weird part is. I think how many people are downplaying the Blues uh, this year? You know, uh, Tarasenko, uh, and this is where it's it's kind of bizarre. Uh, <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko, who demanded a trade, I doubt for sure Tarasenko was going to get traded. Blues has stuck to their guns. Tarasenko leads the team in scoring with only eighty-two points. Which, again, in a year where everyone scored, you're going to be saying, well, Dwayne, he only had 82 points. He only had 34 goals. Here's the issue with uh, the Blues. Because of the Pavel Bushinevich trade by the Rangers, which they should have never made, the Blues had scoring throughout all three lines. So Tarasenko had a partner in Bushinevich who put up uh, 30 and 46 uh, for them. With Robert Thomas, that is the most lethal second number two line in the playoffs, in my opinion. I know people are going to talk about uh, uh, Edmonton and a couple other squads. I think the Blues have the most undersold uh, squad from a number two line standpoint in terms of forwards and defensemen. I think they can shut down teams. And the thing of it is, is that. It's not even talking about their third line. Like the Blues had so much scoring depth that when you, even when you're talking about Jordan Kiryu, uh, put up 75 points being on the third line. The Blues had a ton of depth. They they, they added Brandon Saad. Uh, you know, I just look at it as like this is just one of those awkward teams you don't want to be playing against in the postseason. Uh, you know. Again, Minnesota 
had a very good regular season. I just think the Blues are a better team. I really think the Blues are a better team. I, you know, and it's it's hard it's hard to like just discount a team that's won fifty three games in a season, but I I just you know, and it's a division rival too. So it, like, there's there's a lot of bitterness between both these squads. Uh, I just think that uh, between Huso and Bennington, I think both you're you're probably taking both uh, uh, goaltenders. Uh, the the Blues will probably go with Huso to start, but I wouldn't be shocked that Bennington comes into the fold here. Uh, if uh, if they find themselves down and needing a spark. I just think that if you're looking at these squads, the save percentages are better on the uh, on the blue side than even what you had with uh, Flurry. And yes, I know some of Flurry's numbers are impacted by uh, the Chicago uh, team that he was stuck with, but even with that, I just think that the overall depth of the Blues is putting. Minnesota in a very awkward spot. I just think uh, the Blues have a better overall squad than Minnesota. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that I think this series is a cakewalk, but I think if uh, the Blues get up early in this series, the Blues can close them out uh, faster than people expect. But I think that this is probably a series that's going six, and I like the Blues. Uh, I, You know, I just don't necessarily see Minnesota uh, pulling that series out. I think the the depth of the Blues gets past uh, Minnesota. And I think, you know, for playoff challenge purposes, to get a little bit different, I think that the Blues are the exact same style team that's capable of knocking out a team like Colorado, and they could also beat a team like Calgary. I, I think the Blues are the dark horse team in the West that people have not been giving proper respect to. And if Minnesota actually pulls this off, don't get me wrong, if Minnesota pulls this off and they beat the Blues, I think Minnesota can go to the Stanley Cup final. Like, this is one of those weird series where someone's going to go home feeling very disappointed about how their season ended because I think the winner of the series actually makes it to the, the Stanley Cup final in the West. I really do. I, I think these teams are good enough that if they can figure out a way to get past the other squad, they can make they can make the run because I just think that Colorado is there to be had. I don't think Colorado plays nearly disciplined enough. When you start factoring in a couple of these squads, that I think from a power play standpoint, Colorado is very dependent on it. Now, if it comes down to uh, Minnesota. I think it's a much harder road for Minnesota. Minnesota. Um, I'm sounding like uh, trying to do my best Minnesota accent. Um, I just think that for the Wild, it's a much harder act to take out uh, Colorado. They have the game to do it. If they can beat the Blues, they'll have the game that they need to have in the playoffs to take out Colorado. But for the Blues, knowing what they need to do to grind out games, I think if they uh, just get off to a good start uh, against Minnesota, I think they carry it straight through against Colorado and and get the win there. And I think once you get past Colorado, beating Calgary or Edmonton, it's it's the same formula. It's just easier to do than beating Colorado. Uh, Getting past Colorado is the key, but 
I think if you can get past Colorado, you have the game plan to beat uh, Calgary and Edmonton. That's just, again, this is why I hate the bracket format, because realistically, you have to beat the best team in the second round. If you beat the best team in the second round, you're gonna you're probably going to go to the Stanley Cup final. But you have to beat the uh, best team in the second round. And then our final game for uh, this first round, I got to talk about my Rangers. Playing depends, you know, I said this for months now. Rangers are going to make the playoffs, and they can either make the Stanley Cup final or get bounced in the first round. The Rangers, playing depends. I thought Pens, Capitals, realistically, it's a going flip uh, matchup. I would rather play the Capitals, but you got stuff with the Pens. Uh, Goaltending, Rangers win. Scoring-wise, Rangers should win. But the bugaboo here is playoff format versus regular season format. Rangers were so dependent on the power play to score their goals. The Rangers had a 25% efficiency on the power play. The Pens are one of the most... uh, 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 Actually, I think uh, it was either uh, uh, in the Eastern Conference, at least, I think the Pens actually had the best penalty kill in uh, in the Eastern Conference this year. Even even better than what you would normally expect out of uh, Boston. I think it was actually... Uh, it, it was Actually, no. I think it might have been Carolina. Um, but I think uh, between uh, the Pens and Carolina, those were the two best penalty kill units in the league. But that's the thing. The Rangers' strength in the power play is almost negated by uh, Pittsburgh uh, killing off penalties, even when they do get into the box, because that's the thing. Uh, Pittsburgh really doesn't get into the penalty box all that often, so the Rangers are going to have few uh, fewer opportunities than ever to generate power play opportunities. This is a very tricky series for the Rangers to navigate, because this is where I talk about the scoring depth not being there, because outside of the top six for the Rangers, they don't necessarily have that other option to go to, and that's why you needed a Bushnevich on the squad. Now, Andrew Kopp and Frank Vitrano have been very valuable down the stretch uh, from their acquisition during the trade deadline. They both played extremely well. They're actually gonna, the Rangers are going to need that production to carry over into the postseason because, again, this is the question I had about the Rangers. Where are the additional scorers going to come from because once the power play gets shut down and everyone's keying in on Panarin, I expect everyone to do the same. Even though Panarin didn't have the most goals, there he's going to be trying to tee up the likes of Kreider on the power play. He's going to be the one trying to get uh, Ryan Strom into more open ice positions to set up other players. It's, it's going to be a lot of mixing and matching with the Rangers offensively because... Yes, we have the set pairings, but the guys getting focused on is like the Rangers are going to need Gaudreau to show up. Like Gaudreau has to actually do some productive work on offense with pressure and getting some dirty goal. Like the Rangers are going to have to scrap. I don't know if they have enough to get past the Pens, but there is no way I'm ever going to take the Pittsburgh Penguins with uh, Crosby. Uh, <laughs> Crosby, uh, Malkin, and Latang 
uh, and Gensel and the whole scores of uh, prospects that Pittsburgh keeps cranking out, there's no way I'm taking the Pens. There's no way I'm picking the Pens over the Rangers. I'm sorry. I'm a homer. So I'm going to take the Rangers in six. It's probably going to be a wrong pick. And I'm probably going to take the Rangers to get to the conference finals against Tampa. Uh, and then now I'll have them bow out from there. But it's the one pick where I look at it and I'm saying, you know, if I was doing this objectively from an analysis standpoint, the Pens' ability to shut down uh, power plays is going to be so critical in, ter- in determining who wins this uh, uh, postseason matchup. I think the Rangers are going to have to figure out a way of solving the Penguins' penalty kill if they're going to get past and win this series. Shesterkin, I expect to play well, but Shesterkin is only going to steal a game or two. The Rangers got to figure out a way of winning four games, and part of that is going to end up involving the games they can get the power play going. If they can't get the power play going, the Pens probably win this series as much as that annoys me. But uh, that's where I I see things lining up. But, you know, if I'm picking teams to make the Stanley Cup final, I told you how much I like Tampa. I just think the market is so wrong on Tampa, and they've been looking past them. Tampa, I expect to beat Toronto. In a matchup against Florida versus Tampa, where people are going to pick Florida as the favorite, I'm going to take Tampa again. They have the experience. Florida's not afraid of them, but Tampa, knowing what's on the line here, I expect them to lock in, be focused, and Vasilevsky to shine as usual to get past Florida. And from there on, uh, they're in, uh, you know, as much as I like uh, the Rangers, uh, you know, even if it's Boston uh, uh, or Carolina, like, again, I don't see the teams in the bottom half of the Eastern Conference bracket taking out Tampa if Tampa can get past Florida. I just don't see it. And as on the other side, I explained to you guys, if St. Louis gets out of the first round and plays their game, they should be in fine form to make it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. So I'm going to pick a final of St. Louis versus Tampa, and I'm taking Tampa uh, to uh, to win the Stanley Cup. We shall see how it all lines up, but I think we have a real chance at a three-peat here. And, you know, from an odds standpoint, if you're looking at uh, the betting odds of who's, who's going to win the Cup, Tampa Bay is 11-1. to 1. They have the same odds as Carolina. <clears throat> You've got a chance at a three-peat with a t- team that relatively has come back in uh, most of uh, uh, mo- most of the uh, uh, roster from the previous two cup runs, I-, I just look at it as you know, it's it's just a case where this is uh, this is just uh, lining back up. It's like it it screams three P, but it's like, could you imagine a series where Tampa has a chance at a three P? And the last team left standing in their way is the previous cup champion from uh, 2019 in St. Louis. I think that's a hell of a series. I think the NHL would be happy if they got that series finale. I know uh, that they probably would want Tampa, uh, Tampa versus Colorado uh, or Edmonton, but 
I don't think that's the worst uh, case scenario either uh, from a matchup standpoint. TV ratings wise, yeah, it makes a difference. <laughs> it definitely makes a difference. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. So uh, that's all I have for NHL talk. Uh, again, you know, I keep seeing. Uh, I I I'm I keep seeing folks getting upset at the takes against Kyrie Irving. I'm sorry. Everyone keeps getting upset with uh, the amount of complaints being leveled at Kyrie Irving, saying it's unfair. Kyrie Irving was not in shape for that postseason matchup against the Celtics. If you think Kyrie Irving was in playing shape, was in true playoff shape, I don't know what games you were watching, but he was pretty much... uh, uh, pretty much not in shape, got swept as a two to uh, as a six to one favorite to win the NBA title. It was a stupid bet. I kept telling folks it was a stupid bet, but you know, guys, Kyrie Irving deserves to get blasted. It's simple as that. You didn't produce. You made the entire season about you. Yes. You actually need to be called out on the carpet. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So, that's all there is to it. Like, you guys can be upset that it's hating or whatever term you want to throw out there. It's just the reality of the situation. So, uh, I hope that's the last thing I have to, uh, to talk about with Kyrie Irving because it's just the amount of people who, who, who just who were trying to defend Kyrie Irving for not doing his job and not being professional. I, I just find it absolutely absurd. But anyway, that's all I got for today. Uh, enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs, folks. I know I will. So until next time, have a good one, and we will uh, uh, talk talk some more sports down the pipe. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.